everyone, and welcome to the Transform Your Confidence Show. This is a show about holistic leadership and advocacy, and I'm your host, Raj Gurn. Here's a bit about me. I'm a longtime serial entrepreneur who specializes in mindset, branding, media, communications, and marketing, and I firmly believe that great leadership and advocacy is predicated on the mission that everyone must benefit across the entire food chain. I'm an award-winning C-suite entrepreneur who has worked in the media and event space for the past 20 years with many Fortune 500, celebrity, and thought leader clients from around the world. At this point in my life, I seek to share my many insights and resources with anyone who wants to learn about holistic leadership and advocacy in a newly launched online community at the openchessconfidenceacademy.com where I've mandated my entire organization to provide products and services that center around knowledge, action and accountability. My goal with this show is to pull back the curtain, I mean way back, to bring you insider knowledge and resources on how today's change makers are leading with intention and creating meaningful environments that serve everyone. I also want to help you reimagine what your life could be if you had a constant view from the top of the mountain. I believe that in order to get there and stay there, you need to learn from those who have a constant and unobstructed view of Nirvana. These are not just the usual suspects, but the ones that sit in the middle of the volcano as the lava explodes through the top of the mountain. They are the crazy ones who change the world, and they are the ones that I want you to meet. Are you ready? Let's go. Statistics show that less than 10% of all investment capital goes to female-founded companies. Even though female-founded companies and led companies perform far better than their male counterparts. And then you add in ethnicity to the mix and the stats just go down even further. So much to garner your perspective on here, Sunena. So I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit into bite-sized pieces for all of those people out there who really do need to understand how to kind of tackle this BIPOC women specifically. So my first question for you here is mindset-based. Fundraising is, and by itself, a very challenging task. With stats like these, it's even disheartening for women looking to raise funding today. What Even though we see, you know, so many female-led companies do very successful exits, do very successful IPOs, it's still such a challenge for women in the raise game. So what advice would you give to them to prepare their headspace for the journey so that with the many roadblocks that obviously they're going to face, that you faced, that they can kind of rise above that and just stay targeted and focused on kind of where they're looking to go? Yes. So a couple of pieces of advice for, for all women out there looking to raise capital. The first is find your people. Who is going to understand your story? Right. Is it because they understand your industry best? Is it because they funded something similar in the past? Is it because you know them through someone, you know, someone else and in your network? Figure out who your people are who are going to be best placed to understand your story and then go to them and find how you open that door. You know, if they are well placed to understand your story, the chances are that they will take your call or they will take your Zoom meeting or a face to face meeting with you. 
And then if your story doesn't land with them, really ask why, because you have pre-screened to say to yourself, you know, these are the people who should understand my story. One of the mistakes people make, but suddenly women make, is that they start talking to everybody. Let me just talk to everybody. Let me just talk to dozens of people and hopefully one of them works. Well, you could do it that way, but the better way is pre-screen that list down to these people should get me and really write down on a spreadsheet why. Because they know so-and-so, because they funded another business, because I know them through so uh, to such and such person and they think highly of me, because I worked for them in the past and they're a wealthy individual, whatever it is, write that list. And when you go down that list one by one and these people start taking meetings and calls with you, if they pass, really ask them why, because they will be able to then tell you what's not working in your business plan, what's not quite there yet. And then you can go back and fix it before you go back out to either to them or to a wider list of investors at that point, having now crafted and pivoted and iterated on the story with this group who would, who would and could and should know you best. So that's number one. Number two is that you actually have to be, I'm sorry to say it, but as a woman and as a minority woman, you have to be that much better, okay? Don't take your first investor meeting and say, oh yeah, this is my first investor meeting and start trying it out for size and trying out your pitch. Practice your pitch. Practice it not once. If your colleagues who are, are, are white men are practicing it 10 times, you practice it 20, right? You just find people, say it in the shower, say it in the mirror, find it, you do it with your friends, you and your family. You go through the pitch dozens of times before you try it out live on an investor. If your industry or your sector needs a minimum viable product to look like this, do a bit more, right? Figure out what is the minimum viable proposition in your industry or sector and do 25% more. Sorry, girls, that's just what it takes right. to be that much better. Hate to say it, but that's how the game is played. So when you go and say, hey, I'm looking for a seed round. Hey, I'm looking for series A. And look what I have done so much more than so many others do at this stage. You will get that second look. And that's what we're seeking for. Yeah, we're trying to get you advantages that will make sure you get the look so that you get the funding. Those mm. are my two big pieces of advice. Don't just do the same as others. Do a bit more. It will stand you in good stead. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. So much just amazing advice. And it's so much simpler, Sanena, than we think it needs to be. We just need to put in the work. We've got to put in the extra work. And, you know, it just begs so many other, um, you know, tangents I could go on. But I want to kind of, I want to encapsulate a little bit about this whole idea that women have regarding, you know, female traits, male traits, you know, do I need to be more male than female? Does being female mean that I'm weaker? So I want to kind of broach that with you right now since gender appears to be a barrier in the race game it just seems to be right um and i'm sure that you'll you you will probably be able to add a little bit more insight into that because you know you know the infrastructure was created by men to begin with to serve men yeah. so that's like a whole other you know dynamic that we can go in but i'd like to get your insights just because i want to help women and men out there that are looking to support women um, to better understand how to utilize their female and male traits. So I want to ask you this. Can you share some strategies you feel women should lean into that are typically considered to be male-centric that, in your opinion, women should adopt to close the gender gap between them and male investors, thus opening the door wider to investment opportunities? Your thoughts no, on that? 
It's such a good question. And I'm often told that one of my strong muscles as a negotiator, because I do a lot of negotiation in my business when I'm trying to close these deals, um, is empathy, right? That I can tune in to what's happening in the space around me and really make the other side feel that I get it, that I get mm. them, that I get their issues, that I understand. And one of the muscles that women can use when you talk about traits now, so much of this conversation is about on balance X and on balance Y chromosome, right? So we, we can all preface because there's some very empathetic men out there as well and of some course. very, very aggressive women too. But one of the traits that comes naturally to many women is empathy. I understand. In fact, sometimes it's a weakness. Many women are too empathetic and it holds them back. But how do you take that into a strength that you take in, into the boardroom with you when you're trying to close capital or you're trying to negotiate a deal for yourself, you're trying to hire employees or, or sell your product to someone. Well, you understand and you understand because you listen. You listen, understand, empathize at a deeper level than your male colleagues. It's an underused but highly appreciated art. Mm -hmm. Where you can, you know, I, I get told all the time that you really understood what I was saying. You couldn't get me what I wanted because sometimes you just can't, you know, you can't give people, everyone what they want, but you at least you got it, right? You got where I was coming from. And that's really important when you're in the game of building any business, including your career, by the way, right? So even if you're going to your boss for a promotion and the boss is saying no, you say, you empathize and say, I see you're in a difficult spot. I get that. I see this is why. But here's how I can help you then solve those issues. And then immediately the other person thinks that this is not zero sum. This is not me versus you. This is us together because you understand me and you get where I've come from. You're helping me solve this. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like this thing of you sit across the table from each other, but actually you want to be sitting on the same side as you try to solve anything in life. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something that so many women say, okay, I do that with my kids. I do that with my, my partner. I do that with my family. How am I supposed to do that? When I'm face to face with, you know, this guy who, who is, he's got a higher title, a higher rank, more money than me. I need him. Well, you absolutely can to try to bring this person on site. It's an underused art, in my view, in, in the market in general and, and in most of, uh, of the environments that I've seen. Wow. I love that you, you brought that into the mix because I completely agree with you. If we can just tap into our sixth sense, I think that we would probably be a lot more, you know, understanding of where another person's coming from. Cause oftentimes this is what happens, right? Sunena, people walk in and they're so rehearsed yes. and they're so on side for themselves that yeah. they're not hearing the things that are happening in the room. The, yeah. the non-verbal communications, as well as oftentimes the verbal communications, they're not hearing kind of the cadence, the pitch changes in the voice. And these are some of the things that I teach my clients to really hone okay. in and tap into is, you know, even with yourself, how you speak, you know, how you take your pause, how you help a person step out of their own way in that room. There's an art to doing that. And it's a skill that, you know, everyone can learn and some people have it naturally but it's a learned skill and and so what you're saying here is so important guys to take away with when you're walking into that room there's a lot of innately female traits that can be used very very naturally to even help those people who are very boys club um to kind of get off their 
bandwagon a little bit. It helps them kind of ease the pressure themselves. I'd love for you to share if there was ever something that's coming to your mind, Senena, where you use kind of maybe the more female side of your personality in, you know, a meeting or, you know, in negotiations that really kind of change the dynamic in the room. Is there something that comes to your mind at all? So many examples. I was negotiating a deal in the middle of the pandemic um, with uh, two parties, one very large investor, institutional investor based out of New York and our client. And the institutional investor had also been someone I'd known almost 10 years. I, you know, very much had gotten to know that place and this person quite well. And lo and behold, we found ourselves in the middle of the pandemic in a conference room in Milan, Italy, trying to negotiate a transaction. The camps could not have been farther apart. I mean, we're really like you could drive a truck through the middle of the gap. I mean, this was how far apart these players were. And they went to separate rooms and I had to go between the rooms trying to help them keep bridging this gap. How do we close this gap? How do we get the deal done? And one of the things that had gotten one of the parties stuck was a philosophical point. And he said, this is a values driven point. This is a point on principle. You hear that a lot. And part of when people get in, stuck in a position, how do you unstick them is you have to disarm the idea that life is black and white, that life is actually a lot of it is lived in the gray. Most of it is lived in the gray. Of course, yes. there's some red line issues, but is it really that black and white? And so it was almost like a bit of a therapy session. Here's what I need. Here's why I need it. Here's why what they're saying is not okay. You heard that from one side and you just took it on in and you helped them get it all out. You realize that one of the things most human beings struggle with, Raj, is that they don't feel heard. They don't feel listened to. Yes. They just got it out of their body. Literally, it was almost like a visceral thing I was witnessing. And, and okay, bring it on. Give it to me. Yes, it's not been fair. Yes, it's been hard. I understand. Okay. Then you go to the other side. Now, you what you do not do as an empathetic negotiator or empathetic person, woman, you don't offload that. You're not the passer or buy of messages. You don't then go dump that on the other person. These are not the other party's problems. These are very much the original party's problems. Mm-hmm. But the other side has its own rationale for why it's stuck in its position. And so that's a party then, you know, was much more practical. They were much more sort of, you know, one plus one is not equaling two. It's equaling 1.75. That doesn't work for us. And so, okay, they're coming from a very analytical approach. I got to make my numbers at. They're not adding right now. So go figure this out. So once you've gotten all of that out of the system, that's when the empathy of being able to say, listen, I know the numbers don't quite add to two. Let's figure out how we could get them to add to two. But please understand, here's what this other side has gone through. Here's what they've been through. Here's why they have scar tissue. So Mm -hmm. maybe we can't make it work through the numbers and maybe you're not going to offer another dollar to them. But what can you offer in terms of other comfort to help them through this? You've got to help them through this. And it was such an emotional and empathetic journey. And by the way, that same deal went through other wobbles where one side then, you know, we thought we had a deal agreed and one side we traded and the other side. And each time employed that same approach and we got the deal done. It was a very successful deal. Both sides are very happy. It's been a big win-win for both sides. And on we go with life. But a great example for where people just need to get seen and heard. And sometimes it's your place to just bear witness to that. 
Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, that's so powerful. Folks, if you're just joining me here, I am speaking with the fabulous founder and managing partner of Sabil Capital, Sunaina Sinha. We are really unpacking a lot of, you know, the fear that has been around, you know, the investment world um, and financing, especially as it comes to, you know, women-led companies, you know, natural women you know, personality traits, how do we, you know, ensure that we're able to bring them to the table so that that so that they are adding value here, as opposed to, you know, looking like traditionally, you know, we consider them to be weak points in, um, you know, negotiations. So it's really something worth thinking about and sitting with guys. What values do you have innately within yourself as a person? And this is really very, you know, particular to uh, both genders. What is it that you have that you feel that you can bring to the table that can add value to whatever the negotiations are that you're dealing with. I think it's really something for both genders to think about. I want to ask you this, Sunaina, what do you foresee happening in the investment world for women now that we are seeing, let's just talk first of all about more female-led companies that are IPOing and hitting unicorn status. Let's deal with that piece first. Well, you need some to get more in life. That's how it goes. And we've all known this data has existed that female-led businesses do better than those um, uh, led by men. But actually to see the headlines on them, that's what matters. We live in a very optics-driven world around us. And so to see IPOs of female-run businesses, unicorn status funding rounds, to see some go public via SPACs now, um, and so on is just so you need role models in life. Men need those role models and those tombstones even more than other women. Yes. They need to see this track record. They need to say, ooh, these guys have done really, really well investing in A, B, and C. All three were run by women. I should start maybe look at the next uh, deck that passes by my email that's run by women. Maybe I should look twice at it. That's what they, we need. The men need the role modeling even more than women do. Absolutely. My gosh. You know, that brings me, um, you know, this whole thought around how, you know, you look at, you know, a lot of these um, higher education institutions and you traditionally feel that, especially, you know, some of the colleges that you've been through, Stanford, Harvard, you think it must be very, very male dominated, but it isn't. There, yeah. uh, right now, the, there is an equal gender split in higher education facilities like Stanford and Harvard. And I think that that's something that we really need to pay heed to. I feel that even, you know, male investors need to pay heed to this, that, you know, women are coming in strong with perhaps another interesting dimension to innovate industries. What is your thought on that? Yes, you know, the problem is not the number of college students or MBA students who are men versus women. The problem is how many women remain in the workforce 10 years later. And those ah. stats, I am very sad to say, are very abysmal. So if you're losing your most talented, brightest stars, those who can get into an Ivy League, who can do an MBA from a Harvard Business School or a Wharton, and so few of them, uh, minority, and I do mean minority, these stats change all the time, but we are talking about, well, sub 40% are going out of the workforce and never coming back. That is your problem. And that's why the number of women who are entrepreneurs needs to be a lot higher than it is. But why is it not? 
the number of female leaders in financial services or executive C-suites uh, in management and so on should be higher. Why is it not? It's all about these women taking the off-ramp to do what women uh, uh, you know, uh, choose to do with their lives, with their uh, building families and so on. And they choose not to come back because it's disheartening to come back because the male colleagues or the other colleagues who did not take that time off have now risen in rank. And now you've got to go back and start back where you were. Mm -hmm. You've lost your current knowledge. All these challenges then present themselves. And I have to say, this is probably, I think women, each woman has to make her own choice in life and i really respect those that decide that their calling in life is to be the stay-at-home mom or to not have a career at all it is your choice we are we are in an independent world if you want to leave the option open to come back and have a career don't completely leave please mm -hmm. right figure out how to be a consultant or an advisor or to keep it dip your toe in the water and keep it in the water no matter how hard it is if it's 10 hours a week that's all you can afford because you've got a baby at home that's what it is. Figure it out how you stay a little bit involved because you're involved not just for yourself and your career, knowing that those five or 10 hours a week, that's all you have to give to it. You're being and doing something else and nurturing a different part of your own being and identity. But also when it's time to step back, step back in three years later, five years later, 12 months later, whatever it is for you, you have not coming back in cold. You mm -hmm. have a narrative. You have a story to tell. Oh my gosh, I love that. I think that must be one of the best pieces of advice I've ever heard about kind of, you know, how do we navigate our multidimensional role as women being that, you know, we we are a force to be reckoned with when it comes to being in the workforce, right? Just because a lot of our, you know, innate, you know, personality traits lean nicely towards you know, the discipline associated with being in the professional arena and being kind of knowing that we're, we're coming in it as the underdog, unfortunately. So we are working that much harder. So why lose all of that, you know, when you take on the additional role? And I think that's what it is. We seem to feel that it needs to be an either or when why can it not be an amalgamation of both just at different percentages of of time and effort that you put into it so you're constantly nurturing the multi-dimensional element of who we are as women as who we are as humans i love 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 that wonderful caveat of wisdom sanena thank you so much for sharing that i mean yeah. We think we know this, but we really don't. I, I love it. So let me ask you this. I want to kind of add another dimension to the table here. What about women supporting women? Because I know that many pretend to support because we have this kind of scarcity mindset where we feel there's just only a little bit of space at the top of my industry for women because that's what history tells me. Can you, you know, can you tell me your thoughts on that? Oh, it used to be a big problem. It's getting better. But I remember in my first job out of Stanford, I had this one woman who was a director who just absolutely hated the fact that I was the shining superstar that the CEO loved and the president loved and so on. And I will never forget, as long as I live, I will not forget how this woman made me feel and how she would put me down and sideline me and not copying me on emails and just all these different things. And I couldn't understand what I'd done to this person. And mm. still don't, quite, quite frankly. And these experiences, unfortunately, a lot of women have them, where women are not there to support other women. Here's my advice to women, both senior to other women and also junior. If you can't help, please don't hurt. 
right? Do no harm. If you can't help, don't hurt. Don't get in her way. Don't sideline her. Don't tell her off. Don't put her down. Just say nothing. That's mm -hmm. all we need from you. Please just back off. Say nothing. If you can help, we are very, very, uh, well, your help is welcome. We are very grateful. We all stand on the shoulders of, of, of giants and other people. That's how we've all gotten here. And guess what? That good turn is never forgotten. It, that The universe will bring it back to you X-fold. Please trust me. That will always happen. It may not happen one-to-one -one in that moment by with this person, but you will get the goodness back. But if you can't help, don't hurt. It is getting a lot better. I do think there's a generational thing to your point, very aptly so, Raj, that this used to be the case where there could only be one woman in the C-suite. So we were all competing for that one open slot, wherever that may arise. That is changing. There's so many more women now in the C-suite. It's not nearly enough. But I think companies, because of what's happened over the last few years, companies are realizing that they actually cannot succeed. Even in financial services, folks are saying, I can't hire you for this mandate or this transaction because you're not diverse enough. Now, people now have, investors have diversity and ESG mandates. Mm -hmm. And so it's changing a lot faster than it has changed for 100 years. Not nearly enough. But I think you're seeing more women willing and able to listen and hear and say, I don't know sure how I can help, but maybe try this, maybe try that. So you're seeing a lot more collaboration than you did maybe 20 years ago. Not nearly enough. And so my advice to all women is when you have another woman, even if you hate her guts, even if you don't agree with anything she's saying, even if you think she's no good at her job, please don't hurt her. Mm -hmm. Leave her be. You can't help. Don't harm absolutely you can't help don't harm guys that's like a mic drop moment right there folks it's just really something that you need to tap into because this is where kind of the insecurity and the lack of confidence and all these other things start to factor into through you know how oftentimes you know women are nurtured differently than men and again that's a whole other conversation that you know I'm bringing you back on to have Sanena <laughs> But I want to add this other kind of element to this because I feel this is also extremely relevant, especially today. Something that I feel that there needs to be more of, and that is male allyship. And there is a lot more male allyship than there ever was in the past. But I want to ask you this, having experienced firsthand how to navigate the world of male domination within your specific industry, are there any tips that you can share that you feel will help with the confidence gap? Yes, so I have a few skills that are very tangible okay. and very action-oriented, and I have a few philosophical tips. So I'll start with the action-oriented tips because it's something you can do straight away. Okay. Is, Okay, you have to figure out what is it that you can do to have that equal presence in a room. So 70% of communication, we alluded to this earlier, 70% of communication is nonverbal. Things like your how you sit, the poses you take on when you're in a room, the presence you have. There is data on this. You teach this. Other people teach this, right? Go out and study it. How do you build more presence in a room? to establish yourself as a force, right? Simple things like that. If you are no good at speaking, articulating, presenting, go get that skill, right? So many women are so brilliant what they do, but they just don't know how, put, how to put themselves across. Easily learnable skills, as you know, Raj, mm -hmm. easily learnable. Go fix it. Don't wait to then first be knocked back. If you don't communicate clearly, and you have that sense or you've heard that sense or you're finding that your message is not landing, 
go build these things, go build the physical presence in terms of power poses. Uh, uh, there's a lot of research around this out there, go study it, and then go get the actual hard skills on public speaking, on presenting, on, uh, 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 on negotiation, if that's your game. These are learnable skills, ladies. Figure out where your gaps lie, and go get a go to a Coursera course or go take a, 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 a class on it or go join the Confidence Academy and learn about it. So these are tangible things. Philosophically, philosophically, you have to come out of the mindset that you are in some way, shape or form deficient or not lacking, right? Go to the place of abundance. There is more than enough here for all of us, mm -hmm. men and women, all the women who want it, all the men who have it. Come from a place of abundance. There will be enough for you. Like if you walk in the room going, oh, well, I'm the only woman in this boardroom, which by the way, 99% of my career I have been, unless it's some, a woman from my team, in which case there's two of us. Um, or you know, I'm the only minority here, la, 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 you know, here we go. Let's see, where, where are they going to think of me? Put that aside. Put the doubts aside. The doubts create doubt first in your mind. And they knock your confidence back before they then create the doubt in your the other person's mind because your confidence has taken a knockback. Right. So take all of that insecurity. Take all of that lack of confidence. And literally before you walk into the room, here's what I advise people. Literally physically in your mind for 30 seconds, put it in a box and leave it outside. And go and thinking... I know as much as they do, and I'm going to come here and do my thing. I'm going to do my presentation. I'm going to do my negotiation, whatever it is. So that, I think, is a, the philosophical power behind all the action-oriented steps that women can take. You know, you touched upon something there that I want to ask you um, about right now as well, and that is the ethnicity gap where, the you know, we know that, you know, infrastructure of you know society um, especially since the industrial revolution a couple of hundred years ago was where you know we have the pyramid system where white males sit at the very top and black females sit at the very bottom that just is yeah. the way that the infrastructure was created the layers that are stacked up against women of color are vast and deeply entrenched in the infrastructures of business even to till today there is so much research that supports this. So a couple of questions for you on this, Sunaina. Um, what is your take just specifically on what I just said there? I think the take is that, you know, this is the truth of this moment in time. There's no other way to put it. What you're saying is completely right. It's historical in context. So we've contextualized it. And we've also acknowledged that it has to change. And that change doesn't come easy. Human beings are not Ferraris. They cannot go zero to 60 in three seconds. It takes time for change to evolve. Here's a, a trick that I've learned, right? I think that making people aware of how different and perhaps unique your journey is, it can make a big difference to how they view you, right? And you know, I was talking to a lovely lady who was um, you know, still very early in her career, came to me for some advice. And she says she works in a group of 60 people um, where she's the only woman of color. And she says when she mentioned that to her colleagues, they didn't even realize. They're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Well, you know, my advice to her was say it more often. Right. right? Remind them how unique your journey is. And, you know, people don't know what they don't know. They don't realize how hard and different and unique you are or your journey might be. You don't have to do it every day. But they should know this is your context. This is how you grew up. 
I grew up in an Indian family. It was the oldest of four. Um, you know, competition for, you know, the, the, the ice cream was fierce on a Sunday. <laughs> Whatever it is, make it your story. You know, it, it is really powerful for people to understand your context. And what I find a lot of minorities doing, Raj, is I have find them just ignoring it. Mm-hmm. Pretend it doesn't exist, brush it on the carpet. I'm the same as everybody else in terms of what I do. And you might be, you may even be better. But there is a story to your journey that is obviously true for you. And that within, in select context, you know, don't have to throw it in people's faces. It's good to remind them of it. That I'm, I'm someone who grew up here. I grew up in, you know, the emerging markets where, um, this, what I'm doing today was not the norm. Whatever it is that you, that makes you who you are. You walked, you maybe you grew up in a small town. Maybe you grew up with traditional Indian parents or African American, uh, uh, parents who really struggled to raise you. Whatever it is, throw it out there, right? It's kind of colleges ask for it. Colleges ask for what is your journey? What hardship did you face? And how do you overcome it? And they actually credit you for overcoming the hardships. Yes. And, the workplaces need to do that too, but they can't do that. They don't know how to do that if you don't share that journey. So don't do it every day. No one's asking you to go overboard and to place it on your Zoom screen or on your forehead. But <laughs> to, to the people who matter, make sure they know what your journey has been. And that acknowledgement of, hey, my journey has been a bit different to yours. I grew up like this. And that's what I then I did this. And that's how I got here. And I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be here. That little bit really makes a huge difference of saying, you know what, let me contextualize me for you. Because you you may not get it given you where you've grown up. Let me contextualize me for you. Guys, that is such an important statement for you to realize why you need to actually speak to be heard, right? It's very, very important. So, Nana, oh, so how do I encapsulate the ending of this conversation of ours? I mean, let me ask you this. How do you feel? we can work together in the professional arena and at home, actually, because, you know, you bring work home, right? And there's certain, you know, expectations of who we are as women in the home, especially if we come from a strong cultural background. How do we do that to push towards a more equitable playing field, both in the professional arena and in the home environment? Yes, and I think that we could do another hour on how to contextualize powerful women, working women for cultural backgrounds that are not used to having them, right? Yes. And that's a lot of society. I will You're try to say back. This. You're coming back. <laughs> There's so much to unpack on that one. What I'll say for now is please, ladies, be unapologetic about your choice to be a working professional, to be a stay-at-home mom, whatever it is. We find ourselves spending too much time explaining with a view towards this is why I've done what I've done. And I'm almost like saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so different for you. Be unapologetic, be factual and honest with yourself and your family members and your community, but be unapologetic that these are my choices. Then they're right for me without having to explain them. I think you take the power away from you when you do that, when you apologize for who you are because you're explaining or defending. Um, You take the power back, use your voice to tell a story and do not try to defend or even pretend that you may offend or may not offend. Be unapologetic. That's my big message on that one, especially in households and communities that are perhaps a little bit more conservative who are not Mm -hmm. used to seeing women in this context. 
Absolutely. Folks, the show is entitled How to be seen, heard and valued as a woman in the male dominated world of finance. And you've seen there's so much more to that than just being specific to an industry. You've heard Sunaina talk about some of her insights, some of her lived experience and, you know, just some of the tips, tricks and, you know, parts of her personality that she's really honed in on to understand how she can bring it positively to the table. Sunaina, is there anything that you'd like to add about this particular subject matter that I haven't touched upon that you'd like to leave everyone with as we close out? Well, we have covered so much ground here. Um, but I would say to all women out there who are listening, um, own your journey, don't be a spectator in it, be an active participant. And what do I mean by that? It's not just a tourism. It's really make deliberate choices. You know, don't go with the flow and suddenly wake up and say, what have I been doing working at this company for the last four years? Life has just gone by. It's been very comfortable. Make a deliberate choice. I'm here for this reason. Um, may, you know, come up with a, you know, a, a active choice to be and do what you're doing in that moment. And why it's right for you and why it resonates with your being. Be active in your own career. Be active in your own life. That would be my parting thoughts. I love every single thing about what you just said and the hour that we spent together, Sunaina. Thank you so much for joining us for this really important discussion. You are such a rock star and a superstar in my mind. And I just cannot wait to see, you know, so much more of your lived experience and how you bring all of what you learn to the table to just keep pushing forward this whole idea that we have to all be working together in order for us to all succeed. Thank you so, so much. And you know, I'm going to bring you back on. It has to happen. With pleasure. And thank you so much for having me today, Raj. Absolutely, Sunaina. Thank you so much for hanging out with Sunaina and I, folks. I really hope that you got some real value from our discussion and that you understand the importance of leaning into both your uniqueness, also understanding how to take advantage of the status quo that, you know, you can really win in if you understand how to move forward and bring the uniqueness of who you are to the table, but to also understand on the other side that there, that there are other people that also have something of value that they need to be heard as well. So this is not a one-sided journey, guys. It is a flow between two different sides that, as Sunaina rightfully said, you should work towards, guys, sitting on the same side of the table. That's when everyone wins. For more trainings like this, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at the Open Chess Confidence Academy on podcast platforms at Apple, Google, and Spotify. Search the Transform Your Confidence show. I also encourage you to join our free coaching newsletter community at www.theopenchessconfidenceacademy.com forward slash newsletter and join our free professional development incubator on Facebook at Transform Your Confidence. And until next time, have a great day. Thank you so much for staying till the end. I really hope you enjoyed the show. Before you leave, I would love for your support by subscribing to my show and letting everyone you know know about it and have them come take a listen. I would sincerely appreciate you joining me at LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Search Raj Gurn and the Open Chess Confidence Academy. 
Until next week, I hope you continue to cultivate your own ecosystem so that everyone in and around it is empowered by your mission to elevate them all. See you next week.